Welcome back to NerdGab. My name is Anil and I'm the host and creator of the NerdGab community. Thank you for listening in on today's topic. And believe it or not, we've entered the Snyderverse, where DC fans from all corners of the universe to Sector 2814 have done the impossible. They've rung the bell out in the stars that hashtag release the Snyder Cut became a reality this year. And on March 18th, 2021, not only was justice served, it also died tragically. On this episode, I'm going to cover some of the things that I've spoken a little bit about in my previous podcast surrounding this topic, and I'm going to share some of my thoughts on the Snyder Cut, and hopefully, once and for all, that will be the end of it. So without drawing this opening out any longer, let's raise our glasses in thanks. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter. And so begins the end of the Snyderverse. So back in early November 2019, I decided to do a podcast on the topic of the whole release the Snyder Cut movement that had been trending for two years. If you don't know what the whole movement is about, it was basically all of the fans who shared the idea that Zack Snyder's DC movies, Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman, were building up to an amazing cinematic universe that was majorly affected by Snyder's removal from the third installment, which was supposed to be the first Justice League movie. I say the word removal because in some degree that is exactly what happened. Zack was removed from the Justice League project even though he had already finished filming a very large portion of his movie and was replaced with director Joss Whedon by Warner Brothers. Joss Whedon, who at the time was mostly known for his successful Avengers movies with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, I'm not going to dive into how much of a bad idea that was. Instead, let's look at some of the factors for why Zack was removed instead of how the media spun the story to say that he had left on account of personal tragedy. In 2013, Man of Steel was met with some divisive criticism which were mostly aimed at the style and tone of the movie. Some fans, like myself, loved it and some fans didn't. Even though it's one of the best Superman movies so far, with Zack exploring a sense of realism with the character and what his conflicts would be in this new origin, and also giving us the best Superman action sequences ever, the critics and overall reception were mixed. At the time, it was said that Zack was working on a Superman trilogy in the same vein as the Chris Nolan Dark Knight trilogy for Batman. However, WB was looking to catch up to the Marvel Cinematic Universe who at this point were more than halfway towards their big Avengers titles. Essentially, WB wanted to skip the 10 years of hard work and necessary solo films that fleshed out each of the characters for the Avengers and cram it all into one movie. The person leading the charge at WB during this time was Kevin Sujihara. Now, of course, there were other people that were involved in the decision-making process, but ultimately, it was Kevin Sujihara who was in charge of the DC franchise and the movie projects at that time. So that being said, Zack's Man of Steel trilogy shifted from focusing on a Superman trilogy to focusing on expanding the DC Cinematic Universe by cramming all of the key characters into the next movie. That's why instead of a Man of Steel 2, we got Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. Now, I remember when the announcement was made that the follow-up movie to Man of Steel was going to be a Batman v Superman title. I thought the title was dumb, and I thought the idea of introducing Batman this early and the fact that the subtitle of the movie was going to be Dawn of Justice indicated that they were going to somehow include the origin of the Justice League in this next movie. So my initial thoughts were, 
this title is dumb, but I also had some excitement to see some of my favorite DC characters get their time to shine. I wasn't so hot on the idea that Batman was showing up in this next movie just because I knew that it couldn't have a fair focus for both characters in one movie and also introduce the other League members at the same time. How it happens in the comics is pretty much how you would expect. A villain shows up who's too powerful for one hero to fight and then the rest of the heroes just sort of appear to help out. For instance, there are some really amazing Superman-Batman team-up stories, and actually that was how I started to like Superman when I was reading comics back in the day. I got introduced to Superman through a number of volumes titled Superman-Batman-Vengeance, Superman-Batman-Public-Enemies, Superman-Batman-Supergirl, and the Superman-Batman-Annuals. There are so many stories where these two characters team up, and then there's so many stories where they, they fight each other. And as a Batman fan, that was my gateway into becoming a Superman fan. So naturally, I moved on to Superman standalone stories, Green Lantern standalone stories, Flash, Wonder Woman, and then finally, the bigger Justice League stories. So as a fan, I know how these characters meet, I know how they interact, and I know what they're like. The average moviegoer, or even MCU fans, may have some idea of what that is, but to jump into these stories where Batman and Superman fight to the death, or Doomsday is introduced, or the Justice League is formed, to tell those stories in a movie and build that connection with the characters, that should require at least one movie each for those characters. But like I said, Kevin Sujihara wanted to skip the hard work. So Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice is released, and its story draws a little bit from The War of Superman, Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, Batman, Death in the Family, Superman, Death of Superman, Superman Red Sun, Injustice, and a few other titles. And those are major storylines from the comics, which are more serious in tone and concepts, all crammed into one movie. Now granted, as a fan who knows all of these stories, I was excited to see all the references, but I knew coming out of the theater that casual viewers, MCU fans, critics, they were all going to rip this movie to shreds because it was just so much. Some of the things that they said in their reviews are true, uh, or you can argue are true, which are the plot feels bloated, it's dark, it's joyless, and of course the infamous Martha line, but overall I still enjoyed it, and in a way it felt like Zack managed to clip some of the best ideas from the comics and include them in a movie for the fans. That's probably why you don't hear many non-fans defending this movie. The people you only really hear talking about this movie and how much they liked it are true DC fans. So, if you're keeping count so far, Man of Steel was received with mixed reactions, and after the release and negative criticism surrounding Batman v Superman, WB was starting to get more involved with their DC franchise and making massive changes to projects that were already in the works, one of which was David Ayer's Suicide Squad, which was set to release later in the same year as Batman v Superman. Due to all of the negative feedback and box office results for Batman v Superman, WB decided to make changes to Suicide Squad, which director David Ayer was aiming to keep within the same tone, style, and universe that Snyder had created with Man of Steel. And some of those changes by WB included massive editing to Ayer's finished work, reshoots with the actors to make the movie less dark in tone and more humorous, and the removal of some key plot points and scenes featuring Jared Leto's Joker, who was said to be a prime character and one of the movie's main antagonists. 
Jared Leto was also pretty outspoken at that time about his disappointment towards WB when he saw the finished product. And to no one's surprise, Suicide Squad was ripped to shreds by the general movie-going audience and critics. There is actually a social media trend to hashtag release the air cut, but it seems further from being a possibility than it was for Snyder, because Snyder had been pretty vocal and supplied tidbits of evidence that supported the existence of his version of the movie, which as Ayer doesn't really have or is not really being as outspoken as Snyder is. So you might be asking yourself, what does all of this have to do with hashtag release the Snyder cut? Well, midway through the year 2016, that Batman v Superman was released and WB had been making massive edits to Suicide Squad, Zack Snyder was working on his Justice League and Patty Jenkins was deep into production for Wonder Woman, both of which were set to release in 2017. At that point, WB wanted to make sure that both of those movies performed well at the box office and were received well by the general movie audience, so they began to impose restrictions and get more involved with the creative vision. In other words, there were more hands in the pot and more pressure from the studio aiming to control the production and try to shape a more profitable outcome. Meaning, they were deciding what they were going to support and what they were going to allocate their budget to. Now, for anyone who has a vision or a plan of what they want to do or how they want to do things, when someone comes in and starts dictating what you should do or how you should do them, it creates some sort of tension, especially when that dictation is conflicting with your vision. In an interview with Insider, Deborah Snyder, who is Zack Snyder's wife and producer on most of his movies, briefly describes that there were aspects of that environment that became more of a burden for Zack to work within. Adding to this is the family tragedy that occurred in March 2017, which was the year Zack was finishing his Justice League, which is when his daughter died. Now, this is where the spin of the story starts to happen. WB made it out to seem like Zack and his wife, Deborah stepped away from finishing Justice League because of their family tragedy. However, this is not entirely true. Zack was still working through the tragedy with Patty on campaigning and promoting Wonder Woman, which was releasing three months after the tragedy occurred. And in May 2017, which was one month before the release of Wonder Woman, which Zack was still actively helping with, WB let the press run the story that Zack was leaving Justice League to deal with family tragedy. So if you're following along, that's two to three months after his daughter died that he was still working on both projects. And in the interview, Deborah confirms that Zack wanted to keep working in order to distract himself from the pain, but during this time is when WB started intervening and imposing their dictation. So when I say Zack Snyder was removed, it's because this tragedy presented a way for WB to cut their ties with him, especially since the business would be majorly affected if Justice League was ultimately postponed. Now you might be asking yourself, why didn't they just postpone it? Why, if they had the movie already in production and there was stuff already done, why didn't they just postpone it since they were already midway through the production? Well, back in 2016, during the whole Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad fiasco, AT&T publicly announced that they would be acquiring Time Warner, essentially becoming the owners of WB in an $85 billion deal, which there were some whole legal battle about that took some time to become official. So what does that have to do with Zack or hashtag release the Snyder Cut? Well, since WB was being bought by AT&T, the question about their executive team and who would remain employed was raised. And so we have Kevin Sujihara, 
Looking at the AT&T acquisition and probably considering the shareholders who he answers to, thinking he needs to pump out these movies before he gets the axe, which he did. Under his command, WB pushed forward on the production for Justice League and hired Joss Whedon to come in and finish Zack's movie. However, somewhere along those lines, the conversation must have included, let's find a way to make this movie more audience friendly and let's make this movie more like a Marvel movie. And so that is how we got the 2017 Justice League that looked like it had all the trimmings of an MCU style movie. There were massive reshoots that WB openly allotted budget towards and a massive marketing campaign to generate buzz for the movie. Main cast members like Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, and Gal Gadot were called back for massive reshoots. Characters like Ray Fisher's Cyborg and Ezra Miller's Flash were severely cut out of the movie and overall it was a sloppy mess. The finished product or the theatrical release or now more commonly referred to as Justice League was a far cry from the visual style and tone of the previous two movies. It was filled with cringe Marvel humor and unappealing colors and even the actors seemed unhappy to be there. And to no surprise, this movie was not only ridiculed by the general movie audience and critics, but also now ridiculed by the fans of Snyder's previous two movies who recognized that this style and tone was definitely not Snyder's vision. So immediately after its release, fans instantly started the now famous hashtag release the Snyder Cut movement. WB and a number of media news sources like Collider, Screen Rant, GameSpot, CNET, Entertainment Weekly, all spread negativity towards the supporters of the Snyder Cut, claiming that it doesn't exist, and these media news sources also started labeling the fans as toxic for wanting the truth about the events that took place that resulted in 2017's Justice League, and whoever were being vocal about their distaste for Justice League, this was all a coordinated effort to shut down the movement and not release or even mention the Snyder Cut ever again because WB wanted to move away from that style and that tone. It definitely did not help WB that Zack Snyder was also posting tidbits of proof that the Snyder Cut existed and that people who worked on the Snyder version were also claiming that it exists. There were people like production designers, photography crew members, Jim Lee, and even Jason Momoa, who have all said that there were massive elements in the original cut that were not remotely present in the Justice League version. So fast forward to 2019, after AT&T acquired Time Warner, Warner Media launched their streaming service, HBO Max, and announced a number of DC projects to be produced for the service. Thanks to this streaming platform and AT&T looking at ways to generate subscriptions for HBO Max, Conversations about Snyder's Justice League start to resurface, and not even three weeks after my November 2019 podcast, all of the main actors from Justice League started tweeting hashtag release the Snyder Cut, which is something they had not done until that point. It had an eruptive wave of positive attention from all of the supporters like myself who were thinking that it's now seeming more possible that a Snyder Cut not only exists, but might get released in some format on HBO Max. Even Subway Sandwiches was tweeting about the Snyder Cut. And in May 2020, Zack Snyder hosted a virtual watch party for Man of Steel where fans can join and watch the movie with him as he provided live commentary and answered some questions. And at the end of the screening, and surprise to all the fans, Henry Cavill joined the watch party and together, Snyder and Cavill officially announced that the Snyder Cut was being released in 2021 on HBO Max. The whole thing itself 
is an amazing story and there's so many people who have spoken on this topic and all of the questions it raises around directors and their creative vision and studio interference and the gateway to more fan-driven projects due to the streaming platform's possibilities. There's even a documentary being released regarding the story about the Snyder Cut. So now you're all caught up on the origin story of the Snyder Cut and the hashtag release the Snyder Cut Snyderverse, but you may be wondering, is it better than what we got in 2017? In short, yes. It is a major improvement on the 2017 version it takes all of the little plot and character threads from the previous movies and ties them all together. Is it perfect? No. It's not perfect. It still carries many of the burdens of the original version, which is something you can't really expect this version to fix because WB wanted the Justice League movie earlier than they deserved one, and this movie has the burden of having to deliver on that. But overall, it is much better than the 2017. And after seeing the 2017 version and now the Snyder Cut multiple times, I'm just baffled by some of the insane decisions that WB and Joss Whedon made in terms of reshoots and edits for the 2017 release. There are over 135 key differences between the Justice League and Snyder Cut, none of which are favorable towards Justice League. Many of the critics of the Snyder Cut are complaining about some very trivial things like the aspect ratio or the length of the movie and still sounding like a broken record with regards to the tone and the visual style. Some reviewers also go as far as to critique the character names. Like, these are the same reviewers that were labeling fans as toxic, denying the existence of the Snyder Cut, and spreading hate and negativity towards the DCEU, many of who are major Marvel fanboys, so no surprise there. Some things to note here are, one, Quite a few films are filmed in a similar aspect ratio, which are then zoomed and cropped for theatrical release. Yes, the movie is four hours long, and there are some parts that feel a little bloated, and only approximately 24 minutes of those four hours are in slow motion, which is approximately 10% of the movie, and these include the opening scene with Superman, most of the flash scenes, and a few action or novelty scenes here or there. But... For the most part, the visual style and tone are more in line with Snyder's previous two films. However, there is more humor that fits the characters and all of the positive vibes from the movie feel more natural and earned than they did in Justice League. I did two podcasts where a group of my friends and myself discussed the Snyder Cut before and after its release, and we talked about our thoughts and what we liked and disliked. So if you're interested in hearing those discussions, you can find those episodes titled Pre-Snyder Cut and Post-Snyder Cut. To summarize those discussions, and in a very brief way, here are my key takeaways from Zack Snyder's Justice League. Number one, this film feels more like a proper sequel to Batman vs. Superman. It ties in some of the themes from the previous two movies, namely Superman embracing his role as Earth's protector, Batman realizing that his reasoning and logic have blinded him from seeing the good that these powerful beings can offer, and ultimately choosing to have faith, which is something that he often struggles with in the comics, being a character of pure tragedy and loss. Number two, the characters are more fleshed out, although characters like Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman should have had their own movies before this release. But if you are a fan of these characters, you will not suffer from being engaged by them in this movie. We know Batman's story, we know the Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman, so for us, it's not a jarring experience to see them come together, but it does feel like there should have been 
more to their backstories to give them more weight in this movie. Again, WB is mostly to blame for this. Number three, Zack Snyder's visual style and tone have been restored, and that is something that really bothered me about Justice League, which were all the brightly colored scenes and cringy jokes that seem completely out of character and forced. So I'm glad that we've gone back to the point of being a little more serious, although it's not too dreary. But if you're a Marvel MCU diehard, you will still find this movie pretty joyless because you're comparing apples to oranges. Number three, Steppenwolf is a far better villain this time around. However, he is still just sort of like a mini boss when considering that the Justice League are locked in a stare down with Darkseid at the end of the movie. Steppenwolf does seem like a little bit more of a threat, but we don't feel like the League can lose once Superman's been resurrected. This is one of the key problems from the Justice League comics because Superman is basically overpowered, that it makes every other member seem pretty useless. But in the comics, what they do is they give each character something to do that requires their specific skill or strengths. And the movie does try to do this, so it does feel like everyone has something to do. For instance, you've got Cyborg trying to connect with the Unity, you got Batman on crowd control outside, Flash trying to build up the charge to help Cyborg, Wonder Woman and Aquaman are keeping Steppenwolf busy, but then when Superman shows up, Wonder Woman and Aquaman are pretty much just standing there until the final blow. Number four, there are tons of little Easter eggs and comic book references that fans of the comics will love, including major references to things like the multiverse, Flashpoint Paradox, Injustice, and Worlds at War timelines, which for me were just amazing. Overall, this movie is for the DC Comics fan. Where it lacks in some of the basic cookie cutter story elements that casual audience members need in order to feel connected to the characters, it more than makes up for in things that DC fans will appreciate and understand. There is so much to this movie and so much that it was building up to that casual fans just won't understand or even care for. And this is 100% WB's fault. For A, rushing to a Justice League movie, B, interfering with the production, making massive changes and denying the creator's vision, and C, not having a person or team with a unified vision that is dedicated to mapping out and planning the execution for their DC Cinematic Universe. At the time of this recording, WB has announced the end of the Snyderverse with no plans to continue with the story that Snyder has set up. They've announced that they will be following in the footsteps of Disney and the MCU with regards to building content for their streaming services. And this is just sort of the bittersweet part about this whole thing, the bittersweet part of the Snyder Cut. So although justice has been restored in Zack Snyder's Justice League, the universe that he was creating, which contains some of the most incredible storylines and characters from the comics, has ultimately been closed. And whether or not it survives for fans to see it in the future will depend on whether or not AT&T and Warner Media, not to be confused with Warner Bros. Pictures, will give in to the new movement started by the fans and hashtag restore the Snyderverse. As Batman once said to Superman's grave in the Justice League animated series, we've got to keep fighting the good fight. Hashtag restore the Snyderverse. Thank you for listening. <laughs>